So let's turn to Hebrews tonight, Hebrews chapter 1. I've got uh, actually two sections what we're going to talk about. Hello, Pastor Michael. Good to see you. <laughs> and uh, we're going to talk about our authority with angels and what activates these angels. And we're going to condense some things to get into as much as we can here tonight. And, and uh, this is uh, probably maybe some of the most important things we've said this whole weekend about angels. Because, see, if we don't understand we have authority, you got it all on God, and he's in charge, and he's sovereign. Well, he is sovereign, but only sovereign according to his word. Now, here's the thing that came to me, just a simplistic little thing. If God was in charge of the angels' operation, then nothing would be fouled up. So there has to be another explanation. And I found something just today in my hotel room. You know, Pastor Nancy was just with us, her and Pastor Debbie over here for our ladies' meetings. We had a special ladies' conference with Pastor Nancy and Pastor Debbie. And Dr. came and Pastor Johnny came. And it was just an outstanding meeting. And she ministered to me one night that I was going to begin to have more angelic revelation. I mean, and it's not like, you know, that I've just studied this the last two weeks. This is for 30 years of study already. But I'm seeing things further and stronger and wider and broader than I've ever seen it. So that's coming to pass already. And that was just a couple weeks ago. <clears throat> but let's look at verse 14 of Hebrews 1. We, we went over a lot of this already, but there's something I want you to see. Verse 14, are they, referring to the angels, are they not all ministering spirits? Notice that. Sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. And we would say now, because this is what God said uh, the day that he raised Jesus from the dead, so we, we wouldn't say who shall be heirs. We, we would say it this way, that they're sent forth to minister for them who are the heirs of salvation. How many understand my thinking? Okay. And so here's the key to this. We mentioned this word last night, for is a bigger word than two. But see, listen to what it says, to minister for them. Now listen to me carefully. See, I've read this hundreds, probably thousands of times, 30 years. He, the angels are sent forth to minister for them, not for God. So we must be the ones sending them. In other words, they're already here. We established that the other night. I don't remember what, what service it was. We talked about angels on earth. They don't, they don't all live in heaven. Remember out of Genesis, John, Zechariah, 1 Corinthians 4. Remember all that? All right. So they're already sent by him, but we have to get an agreement for that to function for us. Let me ask you something. But Jesus died 2,000 years ago, but it wasn't real to me until 1971. I was born in 1949. So by the time I was uh, preschool to four, first grade, second grade, third, I could have accepted him then, but I didn't realize. And I didn't hear that preached, and I didn't act on it. I didn't confess him as Lord, so he wasn't to me. How many get a hold of that? And that's the same process for everything that we get into here. The angels are already here, but they don't operate for us like they should until we hear the message because you can't, you can't act on what you don't know, and you can't know what you're not taught. So we need to understand that. And so that's why we're teaching on it. We're talking tonight about our authority with them and the fact that they're voice activated. We'll, we give you enough scripture here in just a minute. Let's go to Psalms uh, chapter 8, the book of Psalms. And we're going to go back to chapter 8 here. And, you know, I've had people want to challenge some of this that I'm going to teach you here. But we just stick with the word. People want to challenge, let them challenge and talk themselves out of anything. But... 
you know, and everything. And uh, we're not trying to push God to do anything. If this wasn't his will and his plan and his word, then I'd just forget it. But this is all his idea. Here's a thought came to me in the last few years. I was meditating about the Garden of Eden, you know, and I, did, I went back and studied when the angels were created. They were already created before man ever got here. So it wasn't like God had an addendum thought, oh, yeah, let's, let's create some beings to help this guy. And, and my personal feeling is about this psalm. I, say, I know it says it's written by David, but I think it's a recording of what an angel probably said when God created Adam. Because it says in verse 4, watch this, What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of your hands, and put all things under his feet. Now, let, let me go back and, and kind of unravel this a minute. Whether you agree with my concept of that or not, it's not important about an angel saying that. But I kind of feel like the angels were standing by looking, what kind of being did he make? <laughs> wow. But now see what people say. Well, now, Pastor Jacobs, don't you know, Dr. Jacobs, actually, and my doctorate was on angels. That was my thesis. So it says here, uh, thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. But the word for angels is not angels in the scriptures. It's the Hebrew word Elohim, which means the Godhead. You remember in the beginning in Genesis 1:26, let us make man. Us is Elohim. And you're, you know, you've got an English Bible, but in the Hebrew, let us, the word us is Elohim. Same word used here. So what he's really saying, I did some research on this, verse 5. And really in the Hebrew, this is the best translation I, I found. For thou hast made him a shade lower than God. He made man just a shade lower than God himself. Now, you've got to think about this a little. At first, it throws you if you haven't thought about it. But you need to start embracing this concept about your authority in the earth. Because the reality is if you don't get a hold of it, you're going to be beat up your whole life. Or if you know about it but you don't operate in it, you're still going to be beat up. And, and that God never wanted us to be anything. He created us to be sound. Spirit, soul, body, financially, everything. Hallelujah. Notice this. Let me read it again. For thou hast made him a shade lower than God and hast crowned him with glory and honor. And thou made him, the man, to have dominion over the works of his hands. And thou hast put all things. Say all things. All things under his feet. So we're starting to see already spiritual authority that man had. Now we could just say in a nutshell, I'm not here teaching on redemption. Adam had it. Adam gave it to the devil. Jesus came and got it back for us. That's redemption right there. Yeah. And he said, here's the keys. Now go and take care of things. And again, what does that imply? I'm not going to take care of it for you. I already took care of it. Here, here's your authority. Go use it. But we're talking about our authority with angels. So let's go over to Romans now, chapter 8. You're still with me, aren't you? We're just getting warmed up into this. I want to try to condense some things for time's sake because we're going to minister to some people by the Holy Ghost and uh, <clears throat> some things that God said to me. You know, I was with Dr. Dufresne uh, last, I, it was last year, I think. I don't remember what month it was. We were, I was with Dr. Dufresne in... Uh, Mexico, in Merida, 
Marita, however you say that. And, uh, you know, he'd asked me to speak one of the nights, so I'm in my hotel room praying. Well, these angels that work with me, two of them came in, particularly two of them. There's more than that, but these two seem like they come more often than the rest of them. And they came in there and said, we want to minister with you tonight. Well, I'd already determined I was preaching on angels anyway, but then they showed up in my hotel room, and I wasn't fully dressed yet. I was studying, walking around the room, praying. So uh, we, we had a little habit of going up in the lounge area there where they had some hors d'oeuvres and, and soft drinks and coffee. And so I got on the elevator, and I went up to the top floor, and when the elevators opened, we, it right straight across the little hallways, this, this lounge area where all of us were gathered before a service. And, of course, I didn't say anything to anybody. I walked in, and doctor looked up, and he goes, who's your friends with you? See, I don't think we realize sometimes what kind of individual Dr. Dufresne is and the perceptions he has and the revelation he had and the discernment. I said, well, they showed up downstairs in my room. Now, again, we're not promoting we having to see anything. This is not, but see, some people in the prophet's ministry particularly would be more notable typically, maybe some other ministry gifts or whatever. But I just was I'm just amazed at the perception there and the discernment. Hallelujah. Well, we're in Romans chapter 8 here. Let's look at this verse here, verse 17. And it says, and if, if children talking about us, if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him that we may be glorified together. By the way, the word suffer doesn't have anything to do with sickness, disease, or pain. It's the word for persecution, really. And, uh, but what I'm showing you is we're joint heirs with Christ. Now, now we're a joint heir. Uh, Pastor Nancy, may I borrow your Bible just for a second? Because I wanted to read this from the Amplified Bible here. And uh, oh, let me find it here. And if children, oh, I'm on the King James. And if we are his children, then we are his heirs also, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, sharing his inheritance with him. Now, you know, me and my wife have a joint bank account. Now, she's just better at accounting. That's what she studied in college. And she handles all the finances and goes to the bank and all that kind of stuff. But either one of us have equal authority down at the bank because my name's on there too. I'm not a sub-heir to that account. She's not a sub-heir. We're joint heirs. We're equal heirs. So this is telling us that we're equal heirs with Jesus and we are sharing in his inheritance. Whatever he gets, we get. Now we're just, we're just getting some things. Thank you. We're getting some things established in our thinking. We're not a sub-heir. We're a joint heir. We're not seated beside him, behind him, on top of him, below him. We're seated with him. We need to understand that we're talking about our authority with the angels is what we're trying to establish here with us. And we are sharing his inheritance with him. All right, let's go to 1 Peter now, chapter 3, with that in mind, 1 Peter 3. And I probably got twice as many scriptures as I have time to get into with you, but enough to prove what we're saying. And then we want to get to the last portion of this because we, we need to understand how to activate these angels. You know, you could have something and it not be activated. It won't work for you. But here in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 22, he's talking in verse 22 about Jesus Christ, the last part of verse 21. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ, 1 Peter chapter 3. I, may, I don't know if I told you the right chapter. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 22. 
says, who has gone into heaven, Jesus, who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. Now, what did we just found out from the word there? What we found out from Psalms, we found out from uh, the book of Romans, that we're a joint heir. So angels, authorities, and powers are subject to him. So angels, authorities, and powers are subject to us. Angels, authorities, and powers are subject to me. Say that. Angels, authorities, and powers are subject to me. We didn't read on down there in Romans 8. Do you know what it says? It says the whole earth is in travail that somehow or another we'd get a clue and we'd rise up as the sons of God to put things back in order. Hallelujah. But we're talking about angels specifically here. And so we're joint heirs with Jesus. And if angels, authorities, and powers are subject to him, then angels, authorities, and powers are subject to you. I grew up in a, a Baptist church. They ain't ever dreamed that we had anything like that. I know that. And maybe some of them do today, but I don't know. But that was 40 years ago, but I, or 50. But, uh, you know, it, just, it never even ever came up. We had any authority. If you're sick, you went to the doctor. If you're mental, you went to psychiatrists. And, you know, that was their solution to everything. The gospel didn't seem the solution, except you could be born again and someday go to heaven and, you know, then we'd sing the, well, anyway, I'd get off and mess with that, but I better get back on subject here. All right, 1 John, let's go over to 1 John 4. We're still talking about our authority and our authority with angels and that we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. 1 John four seventeen. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. Now you think about that. He's a risen Christ. He's Lord, head of the church. He's a, he has authority. And we have the same authority he has right now. We're just in a different location. Isn't that right? And he's living in us by his spirit. But notice that as he is, so are we in this world. We've got to begin to understand that, that we already have the authority that we need. Hallelujah. Now let's go to Ephesians real quick here. I've got a couple more scriptures on this section I want to go over with you. That's, are you still listening? Yes. Ephesians 2. Let's look here first at uh, verse 5 and 6. Ephesians 2, 5. I know we've heard some of these things before. We're tying it together tonight in relationship to that first uh, verse I gave you in Hebrews that the angels are all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them. See, for them. I've read that for years, you know, and I saw something new. Of course, I've taught this for years already, but I hadn't seen it in that. If they're ministering for me, I'm the one sending them. You think about that a little bit, it'll click. Your tumblers are all line up. I call it the tumblers all line up. Ephesians 2, 5 and 6, even when we were dead in our sins, we weren't physically dead, but just dead to God, dead in sins, he's quickened us or made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you are saved and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now that we're in Christ, you know, the Bible says, if any man's in Christ, he's a new creature. All things have passed away and all things become new. But look at this verse 6. He's made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. If we could figure out where that's at, 
we'd figure out where our place of authority is. And we just go to chapter 1 right here, and it's going to tell us in verse 20, 20 and following. Let me read it, verse 20 of Ephesians 1, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principalities and powers and might, dominion, every name that's named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet. Sound familiar? Well, it's what we read in Psalms, but we're in a new covenant now talking about the church, the body, the body of Christ, the believers. He put, he hath put all things under his feet and gave him, Jesus, to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. But the Amplified Bible says of verse 22 that this headship that Jesus has is exercised throughout the whole church. Think about that. You may be the mole on the left little toe of, the, of your foot in the body of Christ. You still got the same authority that Jesus has. We need to wise up to that, wake up to that, begin to understand our redemption, begin to understand what kind of authority we really have. I'm moving through this pretty good with you. See, he put all things under our feet as the body of Christ. You're, if you're in him, you're in that body. And how many things are under his feet? All things. You're somewhere in that body. I'm somewhere in that body. We're all in the body. If we're in Christ, we're in the body and all things are under our feet, under the feet of the body of Christ. Boy, this, you begin, that's gunpowder soup, man. <laughs> now let's go over here to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and I'm, I'm, like I said, we've got, we've got a lot more, but this is sufficient. And I want to share this revelation that God gave me about 15 years ago. I was teaching on angels at a church in Evansville, Indiana. And I had a hotel room, of course, and I was sitting in there in the middle of the afternoon just praying, then I got quiet. And I was meditating on this verse here in, in 1 Corinthians 6 about angels. And I'm going to share with you what came out of that. Here it says in 1 Corinthians 6... Uh, in verse, let me just begin in verse 1 and read down to verse 3. Dare any of you having a matter against another go to the law before the unjust and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know you not that we shall judge angels how much more things that pertain to this life? Now, I read that, and, of course, immediately, my mind, I'm thinking, this is somewhere, I guess that is that Baptist theology trying to come out. You know, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be, that will be. <laughs> when we all see Jesus, they'll sing and shout the victory. What about the old rotten here and now? Is there any hope for that, to have victory? Yes, there is. So when I read this, I'm having a conversation with the Lord. This is the way he deals with me. And I said, now there's something in verse 3 I need to see, and I don't see it yet. Now I, can, I mean, in my mind, I'm thinking that somewhere in that we're going to judge, judge the angels, you know, at some point in time down the future. And then the Lord said, and when I do that with him, he, he usually asks me a question. And this is the question he posed to me. He said, let me ask you something, Michael. I said, all right. 
Are you going to have any more spiritual authority when you get to heaven than you have right now? And I said, no, sir. He said, then, this is the thing. You have authority now to judge things. Concerning angels. Now, listen to me. And then, then he went on to say to me, he asked me a question. And, of course, I'd been before a judge before. He knew that. And he says, when you go and stand before a judge, this, I wrote it down, what he said to me about 15 years ago, he or she has authority over you. They are elevated even in the natural because they represent authority to release you or to confine you. Then I saw it. I thought, oh my gosh, we've got the authority right now whether to release the angels or to restrict them because we, we can judge that. I hope I'm making sense to you. This, was, this came as a... Re- I didn't read that in somebody's book about angels. I had a personal encounter with God in that motel room that day. And he, be- he said, remember when you stood before the judge? I said, yeah, and they're always up elevated and, they're always, and they have the uh, ability to either confine me, take him away, or let him go. And he said, you're doing the same thing with your angels every day. You're either restricting them, you're confining them, you're limiting them, or you're releasing them to go out and do and work in your behalf. They're sent forth to minister for them who are the heirs of salvation. Not going to be. We are now. We are the heirs. If we're in Christ, we're the heirs of salvation. That means everything that's involved in our inheritance is ours. Again, if we don't, we can't act on what we don't know. And you can't know what you're not taught. No wonder Paul wrote the Colossian church and says, abounding therein with thanksgiving because you've been taught. (laughs) Hallelujah. So we're seeing that we have tremendous authority. Now, you know, when I teach this, I mean, some people could run off with it and we're not saying you're going to be flippant. You know the word flippant? Like it just casual, nonchalant. We say jokingly, ladies, they're not going to fill your dishwasher. Men, they're not going to change the oil in the truck. They may keep your truck when you go off a cliff and put you back on the road or something like that. Yeah, I, I know of a missionary. He drove off the road on the side of a mountain. Had two or three other people with him. Had a, a, a projector and a bunch of Jesus tapes in the back, big reels. And the truck started down this mountain, started to tumble. And when he came to, he was, they were all lined up together kneeling. The projector, the film, his truck was somewhere else burning. There's a lot of things you're not going to hear on CNN. Yeah, they were all lined up on their knees when they came to themselves and all unharmed. I know of an old apostle. Of course, he's dead now. He went on to, I mean, he's not dead. He just went to heaven. But he, he had a whole box of guns. And his sons, he took all of his sons and they took them out to the river and said, what's all these guns in here? These are all men that had a contract on me to come kill me. And they couldn't fire their weapon or if they did, the bullets went around me and I led every one of them to the Lord. 
See, there's all kinds of things happening that people that really walk in some authority and walk with the angels. And Brother Trevor just sang about it. Hallelujah. No, we're talking about something here. You know, those plaques in the Christian bookstore, all things work together for good. No, they don't. Not unless you're prayed it out in tongues. Then it'll work for you. Because, see, people just take that out of its context. At least anything can happen. Back to that sovereignty issue. It must have been God. That didn't mean it's God just because it happened. Somebody allowed it to happen. Somebody wasn't using their faith or using their authority. I mean, lots of that. I'm not throwing stuff at people. I'm trying to help us see we have authority we've never dreamed before. You remember the rotor rooter guy, don't you? My story. <laughs> my neighbor. <laughs> Crazy man. Oh, my goodness. Know ye not that we shall judge angels. Well, we're really, actually, what the Lord said to me, he said this is true for something but in the future, but right now you're judging them every day by either the way you talk and other things, whether you're confining them or releasing them. Because that's what a judge does in essence. If we just reduced it down to the basic thing. Now, let's talk just a little bit about something. Let's go to Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 5. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit to you right now about voice activation. The angels are voice activated. And this particular passage I'm going to go over with you, it reveals to us that angels come to church with us. You say, you see anything tonight? I don't right now. I saw something earlier. But whether I see it or not, it's not the point. The point is I know they're here because this, this is way back in the Old Testament. Remember what I said? I'm always a Hebrews guy. A better covenant, better promises guy. Everything I read back there, I always put Hebrews around it and pulls me on through into the new covenant. That's just the way that I'm trained myself to think. Because some of those people that teach out of Leviticus, they get you confused. I'm just being honest. We're not in some Levitical priesthood and you're not going to have any favor with God because you've got a prayer shawl on or, or a headdress on or any other kind of thing. It's going to take your faith to impress God. <laughs> Uh, people in their gimmicks, I don't know. But anyway, we're in the new covenant. We're redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Not the blood of an animal, the blood of the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. <laughs> and he's got anointed blood. <laughs> Woo. Wow. So I was, uh, before I read this in Ecclesiastes 5, I was, uh, you know, flipping through the channels. It's been a few years ago and... Uh, uh, you know, I, I have a BMW. I think I saw somebody with one in the parking lot. I don't know about tonight. Uh, I think it's gray. It's a, I, but I have a 745. It's a 203 model BMW, and it's got a lot of stuff on it. I just bought it because I liked it. And my spiritual sons and my church, they helped me, and it's paid for and all that. And, uh, you know, the, the, the regular book that tells you about the car is about this thick. But they have a little, little like a little mini book, that it tells you to do everything on there. It just reduces it down so it's easy. And it's got, you know, it's got CD changer. It's got a single CD changer. It's got a six CD changer. You know, it's got all kinds of navigation and phone service in it where it can push a button while you're driving and talking. Your speakers in the car pick you up. It's a very nice car. And uh, my point is not bragging about my car. I'm getting somewhere with this. So I saw the show and I, all of a sudden there was two rappers on there. 
and really not very godly, but they weren't rapping at the moment. But, you know, their, their whole thing was, was not edifying. But they were in a car lot buying a BMW because they have a lot of money. I just call them thugs with some money. I used to be a drug dealer. I know what I'm talking about. Just thugs with some money. So they got this black BMW. It's just like mine. They're driving it out the lot. That's the only part I saw. And I, I thought, well, I'm see what they do. Well, they start down the street and they put in their trashy music in the CD changer, but it won't play because they didn't talk to it. You, in the changer or on the far side of my car, you, it won't play unless you talk to it. And so he, they were frustrated, and the guy in the pasture started kicking the dash. This is a $100,000 vehicle. It was about eighty when I bought mine, but they're a hundred and hundred and ten now. And he's kicking the dash, then he starts hitting the dash and cussing the car out. Now I'm just watching this for a minute, and I said, I yelled to the TV, "You gotta read the book, stupid!" <laughs> and the Lord said, "That's what a lot of my people are doing too. They're trying to get something to work, and they haven't read the book, and they're not activating it right. There's nothing wrong with the CD player if you do it right." <laughs> I get all kinds of illustrations sometimes. I didn't keep watching it though because I didn't want to hear him cussing and all that. And they're turning around going back to the dealer to cuss him out, I guess. I turned it off. But the Lord spoke something to me and said, that's the way my people do me. They're trying to get things working, but they're not doing it the Bible way. So we got to pay attention. If we want things to work right, we got to do it the Bible way. Well, I just think it ought to be like this, Pastor. Well, it don't work because what you think. It works because you do what he said to do about it. Now, let's read here. We're going to read verse 1, 2, and then 6. First of all, verse 1 says, Keep your foot when you go to the house of God. Now, let's, let's take that for a second before I read any further. When you keep your foot when you go to the house of God. Now, 1 Timothy, I'm not turning over there. You could write it down if you want. 1 Timothy 3.15 says the church is the house of God in the New Testament. So we're taking this from that standpoint back here and placing it way over in the New Covenant. And we're going to see something here that he's telling us, though. This was their house of God of that day, right? That's where they're going, to the house of God, the church of the living God. 1 Timothy 3.15 says the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. How many know what I'm saying here? All right, just reading that into our thinking. Let me read it again. Keep your foot when you go to the church and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. For they consider that they not that they do evil. Be not rash or hasty with your mouth. Let not thy heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God's in heaven and thou upon the earth. Therefore let your words be few. Now we're starting to see something. Verse 6, Suffer not your mouth to cause your flesh to sin, neither say thou before the angel that it was an error. Wherefore should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? Now let me clarify something. God's not out destroying things. But here's the deal. They didn't understand what we know today, and he's telling them, though, they're speaking the wrong words. So who licensed the things to be destroyed. Jesus said what? I've come to give you life, give it to you more abundantly, but the thief, the devil, Satan, comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So they didn't know John 10, 10 was It wasn't even in the Bible then. So I'm just bringing some revelation and clarity to you. This is why you're, you're dangerous if you just read the Old Testament. <laughs> you have God doing things he didn't do. 
And you expose yourself to things because of your action, your words, and other things. I mean, that could be the case. But here's what I'm seeing in this. Notice this. Neither say thou before the angel. Where were they? At church. Remember we studied about your angels on earth and we said they're listening and watching? Well, that's part of the reason I knew that from that verse there. If they were looking and listening and watching back then, how much more are they attentive to us today? And they are in the church with us when we come. Hallelujah. Well, I don't see anything, Pastor. Well, you know, maybe you don't, but that doesn't mean they're not here. Remember, there's an unseen realm, but not an unreal realm. You remember the lady I told you wasn't a Chinese gymnast? You remember her, don't you? And what we, 80 of us watched that happen down in Nashville a few years ago. I was just in New Mexico a couple, uh, I don't know, I think it was February, at Pastor Silva's church. And I had, uh, I don't remember what the word of knowledge was, but a guy came, he said his shoulders were messed up or something. And I laid hands on him, and all of a sudden, he, he started doing something really strange. I can't even do it. I mean, he just looked like he was a puppet. And this angel was working him out. And I can't do what he did. And he'd go down real low, and he'd come up high, and he just, it, it was just like he was a little puppet. Like, it, it was just odd to watch it. And, I, and the Lord said, that's an angel working on him. And I said to everybody, that's an angel working on this guy. Well, I didn't know everything that was happening. And the next night he came back and said, not only I got my shoulders healed, he said, you didn't know this, Pastor. I had a hernia down here protruding about like that. It disappeared, and I had three tumors on my chest. Two of them are already gone. One of them shrinking. So he, got, he, got, he got a big dose of something. See, they're at church with us, and this is the thing I'm trying to help you to see. Don't say the wrong thing before your angel. Whatever you're saying, not just, when you, not just when you go to your place, wherever your place is, when you go and you kneel down or you walk or however you do it and make your confessions. We're not talking about just that. Some of that can be so religious after a while. Not, I'm not belittling confession. I believe in it. That's what I'm teaching you right now. But it's got to be heartfelt, and it's got to be an ongoing, continual confession, not just in your prayer closet and then go out and talk the way the world talks or, and talk doubt, fear, and you'll cancel out what you were believing, what you said you were believing back there. So this would tell us, though, at church, angels are listening to what we say. You remember the first service? I think I shared about the vision of 83 and the angels. I was, you know, went somewhere and in the big room, one of them said to me, Michael, we're excited. Now they look like, and they, they didn't have on a gym outfit, okay? Let me clarify. They didn't have on like a marathon runner shorts and tennis shoes. I don't want to imply that. But the look on their face was one of anticipation. Like, let us go. We want to go do something. It was like a, an intensity and only one of them spoke to me and he said, we're excited, Michael, you're, we're excited. You're teaching about us for we've desired to be involved in the body of Christ and they won't let us. And it took me several months to catch on to those last four words. They won't let us. See, that goes with our authority. See, we have authority, but because we've been talking wrong, we're holding them in. We're confining them. We're restricting them. 
when we could be releasing them to move in our behalf. There's a lot more revelation coming on this subject, not just from me, but I'm convinced in this move of God. And Dr. Dufresne confirmed it recently. I was watching a DVD from your place. I think it was the right meeting. And he said, because we're, we're having such an influx of angelic activity because the revival we're stepping into. And we should expect to have more angelic. Every time we have a revival, the angels are part of that. When Jesus came, the angels were a part of that. When the church was birthed, the angels are a part of that. All through the book of Acts, these angels were involved with the people. Yeah, when Jesus first came, the angels were there. That's what I mean in every, every segment of things. You study closely about Moses coming out of Egypt, it indicates there was another camp coming out besides the people. There's a lot of things we just don't have time to get into. Angelic host coming out with them. Hallelujah. Well, we see some things here. So let's, let's go a little deeper here. Let's just take it another step or so down in here. Let's go to Daniel chapter 10. Are you okay with me on time? You doing okay? I know even if I, if I let you go early, you wouldn't get this on Fox even tonight. Hallelujah. You know, I realize sometimes some of the things I say, because I've studied this so long, I can make it sound so simple, but you know, it is simple. It's just we tried to complicate so much about this. Well, I don't know if I really have that kind of authority. Yes, you do. Who told you that, that you didn't have authority? In, in the body, now we're talking about a believer's authority over the angels. Everybody has the same authority. This headship is dispersed throughout the whole body. We just read that a minute ago. And by the way, the Amplified Bible that Pastor was using for the offering tonight, in my opinion, and I took Greek at seminary. I'm not a scholarly person, but I am a pretty good student. But uh, the Amplified Bible beats all the Bibles that I know for accuracy in the New Testament. And I've got probably 30 translations that I've studied over a period of time. So, I mean, you just get some real strong meat from the Amplified. Every time I've checked it against the original Greek, it's right on. I like that what she said. He ain't going to fail us. No, never, 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 never. Never, never, never. Hallelujah. Now, I'm in Daniel 10 over here in verse 12. Let's look at this a minute. This is interesting scripture here. It says, then said, uh, verse 12, then said he unto me, fear not, Daniel. Remember I told you, they do not look like preschoolers. They don't look like little feminine-looking, beer-bellied preschoolers with curly hair with a rubber dart and a bow and arrow. That is not an angel of the Bible. And either you're going to have to have faith if you see one in their natural estate or some huggies. Because it will scare something out of you, I'm telling you now. They're intense. Yeah. He said, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to chasten yourself before thy God, thy words, notice, notice that, thy words were heard, Daniel's words, and I am come for thy words. The, uh, the one translation says, I am come because of your words. Now, I know people, this is the next question people think, yeah, that was a prophet. Yeah, that's right, he was. But now, let's, let's just take it at, first of all, I'm going to deal with that in a minute, but let's take it at face value, what he said. He, he didn't say, God sent me. What does it not say? It doesn't say God sent him. 
What did the angel say when he appeared to Daniel? I, I heard your words. I, I was uh, in another realm, but I heard your words at first, and now I'm standing here talking to you because of what you said. Didn't say anything about God sending anything. And this is a guy in the Old Testament. He don't have a clue about spirit-filled life that we know about. Let me show you something here. You know, and one time I was teaching this 25 years ago, and a lady after the service said, I want to talk to you. I could tell she was irritated. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, I just don't believe that our words could do that. I said, well, ma'am, do you have a King, King Jimmy Bible or what? You know, I said, well, open up and read out of your Bible. She read that and said, yeah, I don't believe it. I said, well, then I can't help you. And neither can Jesus. You're, you're arguing with the word. I'm, I'm just reporting what the angel said to Daniel. I am come, I am standing here talking to you because of what you said. See, again, we're seeing our authority now in our words. And the response, your words cause angels to move. They can move away from you, move to you. Or you could send them on a mission according to scripture. I'm going to get a little deeper in this as we go. Hang on. Or you could restrict them by saying, I don't believe that. Well, you can't have what you don't believe. Actually, you're believing something other than the word when you say that. So you're doing without this here. Now, now let's go to, because the people said to me before, they said, well, now Daniel's a prophet. Who do you think you are? I said, well, I'm a believer. First of all, regardless of my office of ministry, I'm a believer. I'm not in his covenant. I'm over here in Jesus' covenant. I'm over here in the blood of the Lamb. And that, it bothered me that people got, wanted to challenge. So the Lord and I got together and he took me over here to Luke 7. I'd like you to look at this with me. I may have quoted it once already since I've been here. But I want to go over there with you, Luke 7, uh, 28. And let's look at this real close. Because this will put a skip in your jump. This will knock your hat in the creek. <laughs> Luke 7, 28, look at here what Jesus said this. Jesus, our, our Messiah, he said this. He said, I say unto you among those that are born of a woman, and that would include Daniel, Moses, Ezekiel, Samuel, Elijah. Among those born of a woman, there's not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. Notice this. But he that's least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. So you've got to get your faith around that. So what is he, and I, I read that and I read that and I said, I can tell you're trying to get something over to me. And then he said, this is what I'm saying. Among born of a woman, he said, that's, that's true. John was the best or the greatest, but he said, you've not just been born of a woman, you've been born of my spirit. And you're over here in the kingdom era and you're over here in the body of Christ now. And all those in the old covenant, they long to see what you have and where you're at and what you have now. Praise God. I'm talking about voice activation and I'm talking about your authority. Since we're in Luke, go to Luke 12 here. A minute. I'm just about done. I really am. I know we all say that, but I really am in just a minute. <laughs> My first closing. <laughs> you know what it means when a pastor looks at his watch? Nothing. <laughs> Now, if we were just playing tonight, not teaching anything important, I might, I might hurry it up, but I'm getting something. Get, we're going somewhere with this. 
for just a minute or two more, there's a couple other scriptures in this about your speaking that I think we need to get in us and you need to take the notes and, you know, write those scriptures at least and go home and meditate on this. And don't think I'm trying to be a smart aleck because I'm not. I'm trying to teach you something that I learned over a long period of time and I went over my Bible and somebody said to me, can you believe it? Some preacher said to me, when I said there's 300 references to angels, they said, did you get look at them up on your computer? I said, I looked every one of them out of my concordance more than once. I, don't even, I have a computer now since that comment, but I don't, I don't use it a lot yet. I'm still learning. Hi, Pastor Dennis. I'm trying to learn it. <laughs> He's going to watch tonight. He helped buy me a computer. But no, I didn't, I didn't get it off a computer. I went to a concordance and I looked them up one at a time. Took me a while. There's 68 references alone in the book of Revelation. There's 23 references, I believe, if I counted right, in the book of Malachi. So those are books that are packed with angels, especially the Revelation, the end time book. So there's a lot of activity right now and a lot more to come. Praise the Lord. So we're in Luke chapter 12, and uh, let's look at verse 8. And then let's just read it first. And it says, also, Jesus speaking, also I say unto you, whosoever, and that would mean you. How many ex-Baptists here? Anybody? Whosoever meaneth me. You remember that song? All you Baptists watching by live stream. (laughs) Whosoever means you. Whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. Now listen here. Whosoever will confess me, and that's Jesus speaking. So Jesus in John 1, 1, stay with me in Luke, but what does John 1, 1 say? In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. So we could read it this way, whosoever shall confess the Word of God, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. Now see, we got Jesus, he's the, now listen carefully, he's the high priest of your confession of faith. He's not the high priest over unbelief. He's the high priest of my confession of faith, Pastor Patrick. He's the high priest of your confession of faith, Pastor Johnny. He's the high priest of our confession of faith. If I say the word, then he's going to say the word in agreement with that, and the angels are going to be involved in that. See, this was Jesus' idea. We didn't leave him out. He put himself in here. If you, but you're going to have to confess the word before men. Him shall the Son of Man, that's Jesus, also confess before the angels of God. But look at verse 9. He that denieth me before men, or denies my word, shall be denied before the angels of God. Pastor Nancy, can I borrow your Bible again? I know I'm just turning the pages here on it with you. Look at this, verse 9. But he who disowns and denies and rejects and refuses to acknowledge me before men will be disowned, denied, rejected, and refused acknowledgement in the presence of the angels of God. Now that puts it on a different level here. When we, when we refuse to talk the word, then he is cut off from being able to agree with that, and then the angels are affected by that. So really, if you listen to what I'm saying here, it's not about, really, it's not about what Jesus says 
first, it's what he can agree with that you've already said. So that brings it back to me and you that we have to be the ones confessing the word. Then Jesus, of course, is in agreement with that and he confesses that before the angels of God. But if we reject it and we refuse it or we shrink back from our authority and say, well, who? I'm not anybody important. Well, you're important. Hey, you're important. Jesus died for you. How much more important could you be? Let me ask you that again. How much more important could you be that Jesus would come out of heaven and leave his glory to come down here and die for you and me. <laughs> I'm important to God. It has nothing to do with fivefold ministry right now or anything. It has to do with me as a human being. He loves me. He cares about me. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor. Is this, are you, is this making sense to you here? Now let's go back to Psalm 103. I know this church, I've taught a lot here and taken taken some offerings up. The doctor had asked me to at times to uh, be a part of a meeting, you know, receive an offering or whatever, and I was honored to do so. And I've taught a lot of this before, but I want to go back over it with you because it's important. Remember, just Daniel, one man's word on the earth brought a response. And he wasn't even in our covenant. I don't think we see fully what I'm trying to say yet, including me. I'm, I'm doing my best to get it in me more solidly that I'm over here in this new covenant. I mean, every day I'm thinking like that. And the book of Hebrews will help you a lot if you read it. Everything about it's better in this, in this new covenant. That's what the whole book of Hebrews is about. The priesthood's better. The high priest is better. <laughs> the blood is better. The promises are better. The covenant's stronger. It's just a, Wow. I'm in Psalm 103. Let's look at verse 20 here. Bless the Lord, ye his angels. And again, since we're in covenant with God, they are his angels because he's the creator. But they're also my angels because he's in covenant with me. Or, you know, we've made covenant with him through the blood of the lamb. You know what covenant means? Everything I have is yours and whatever you have is mine. We're in covenant to each other. I don't think I brought any of my covenant teaching. I don't know if I have any available at home, but we just taught a while back 10 lessons on blood covenant and another four on covenant relationship between people. And uh, we, we, we dealt with that in some strong way. So he says, Bless the Lord, ye his angels that excel in strength, the Hebrew says that are mighty in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Now we're starting to look at this as this voice activation thing further. It says they hearken, and hearken in the Hebrew doesn't mean they just heard you. It means you hear and do. That's what, when the Bible uses the word hearken in the Old Testament, it means they heard and did something in response to it. But notice it said they hearken unto the voice of his word. The word voice there means in the Hebrew to call aloud. To call aloud. I know Dr. Dufresne, I asked him to agree with me about some things, you know, financially the other day since I've been here. And he, he whistled and he said, money, you come and take care of these needs. And he had his hand on a piece of paper that I had some stuff on. I laid my hand right on top of his and we got an agreement. So it's coming. He, he spoke to it and it was coming. And I'm in agreement. It's coming. Hallelujah. How many are listening? So it says here, they hearken unto the calling aloud of, of his word, of his word, of God's word. And the word, word there, the last word in verse 20 means the spoken word. 
So really we could translate this this way. Bless the Lord ye his angels that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the calling aloud of the spoken word. We're calling aloud the spoken word. We're speaking it out. It's not enough just to think it. It's not enough. We need to meditate on it, but it's not enough just to do that. We're going to have to call for it. We're going to have to speak it. You know, I don't know, you know, studying this all these years and some other scriptures, I don't know if we got into all this with you, but it says that I get up and say, Father, thank you. The angels of God have charge over me today to keep me safe from all injury, harm, and destruction. And then I start through my list. I don't have a list written out. I just say my family, my children, my grandchildren, my staff, my church, my partners, my sons and daughters and their churches, my spiritual father, Pastor Nancy, and my mom, Jacobs, back in Ohio. You know, she's 80 now. And, Father, I thank you the angels have charge over them. And every once in a while we get a report. This almost happened, but it was averted. It was, hallelujah, because we're, we're praying that over those people and over myself. How many are listening? We have to say it. We're going to have to say it. Now, let me, let me show you one last thing here. Let's go to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. This is one of my favorite scriptures in the New Testament, 2 Timothy 4, and verse 18. I don't know. It's just, one, it's just favorite to me. It's important to me. Hallelujah. <clears throat> 2 Timothy 4, 18. When you find that, you kind of look back up here at me and... Uh, We'll, we'll, we'll look at it together, but I want to make sure you have it in your Bible when you're ready. Because there's a, I want to show you something. I'll show you something. 2 Timothy 4.18. Now, we're going to listen. We're going to listen and see what 2 Timothy 4.18 says. Now, you can hear me pretty good. This mic's pretty hot. If I tap on it, you can hear me tapping. So I'm going to hold my Bible up here uh, to the verse. Everybody looking at me? I'm going to count to three, and we're going to listen and see what this verse says. You ready? One, two, three. And must probably work over on this side. Probably work on this side. One, two, three. I can't squeeze nothing out of it. You know, because... It's not speaking until you speak it. <laughs> when you say, uh, you know, when you begin to say, and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and preserve me unto the heavenly kingdom, then that verse is a spoken verse and the angels listen and they're out doing that now. Delivering you from every evil work and preserving you unto the heavenly kingdom. The, the Bible does not have a voice until you put a voice to it. You know I'm not being irreverent. These are the Holy Scriptures. I understand all that. You don't take me wrong here. But it's not speaking to me and it's not activating anything until I get it in my heart and say it out my mouth. And sometimes when you first start saying some of these things, it may be foreign to your head. Your head may want to fight you. You know, especially about your authority in Christ and stuff. But the more you say it, the more you begin to believe it. And the more you meditate on it, the more, and the more you speak it, you keep, you keep putting it in, keep putting it in, keep putting it in. Jesus said, out of the good deposit of the heart comes good things. That's two different operations. When you first start saying it, maybe you really don't believe it. I mean, mentally you agree with it. 
because you know it's the Bible, but I'm talking about really, and so you put it in, but eventually it begins to roll back out of you. It's got creative power on it then. But if you just start saying it to angels, they already know what to do with it. This is how they operate. You know, the Lord, I didn't have this when I wrote my book on angels. I wish I'd have known this back then. I'd give a good illustration in there, but the Lord said to me, your words are the fuel that they run on. What he told me, your, your words are the fuel because I'm taking God's word, putting it in my heart, speaking it out of my mouth, and that's what they move on. What did that angel say to Daniel? That's a classic. I'm here because of your words. I don't know how it could be any simpler. I'm responding to you, Daniel, because of what you said, not your friends, not your mama. Not the king. I'm here because what you said. And he isn't even in our covenant. I mean, thank God for what they had back then, but compared to us, I feel for him. You know what I mean? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> glory be to God. Glory, 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 glory. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. 